Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Honest to Pods, where each week we pick something to ramble on about. Current events, personal growth, uh, doing drag, and sore backs. I'm Ashley McAllister. And I'm Matthew Alley. And this is episode 95. 95. Five. Because we forget every week. I just remember this is episode 95. I was literally going to say four. Yeah. <laughs> but my head's not in the game at the minute, as you well know. <laughs> well, we've got a jam-packed fun episode that Ashley and I decided we're not even going to talk about our weeks, mostly because nothing really happened anyway. Um, uh, what's happening this? I have, <laughs> a bad, I have a bad back. Do you know how much I can moan right now about my back? All right. And what's happening in the episode? <laughs> <laughs> We'll um, save that one for the extras. Yeah, we'll do that next bit. In the episode, we have a like you say, a jam packed, um, and we're so lucky because we planned this, and then we all watched RuPaul UK, and when our collective jaws thudded against the floor against whenever the um, dearest Astina was sashaying away at the same very time, that bitch confirmed our podcast. Woo! You said, and this is a quote. She said, "I want to be on the most prestigious podcast the UK has to offer. I want to talk about real life issues. I want to. I want to be beautiful and use world class tech." And <laughs> <laughs> then she chose us when everyone else was not not available. I know. <laughs> She's, like, She's like, "I've got nothing to do." Yeah. All right, I'm just going. Whoever these people are. Who are these people? Um, but yeah, so we've got the amazing, well, you, you introduce her, you know her, she's your bestie. Bestie. So we've got, um, our episode is in kind of like two halves. So the first half, we're going to speak to Astina Mandela, the latest queen, although this will come out on a Thursday, so you may have seen another episode. Uh, one mm. of the queens of RuPaul's Drag Race season two in the UK version. Um, she's going to talk drag, she's going to talk um, being black and gay in London. And and just to keep it raw, mm. she does, she keeps it raw. Mm-hmm. That means real for anyone else that didn't get that. For white people. <laughs> for yeah. white people, that means real. <laughs> <laughs> she keep it 100, as they say. What? She keep it 100. I don't understand. She keeps it 100. I um, got it. I'm joking. <laughs> so okay. I'm not too sure if your little time clocks know, but it's a one year anniversary since our dear friend Jordan came on the podcast and broke all our hearts <laughs> with his incredible story he's our very, very first brave, guest ever very first guest he's a good friend of ours as well so it's it was nice for us to have somebody so personal and supporting of the podcast from the very beginning to come on and be i think one of the top episodes we've ever done it actually is um, currently the second uh, highest rating episode still i looked up i mean i can see why mm-hmm. um so he's come back because it's been a year since his episode went out um and it is currently from the first to the seventh Sexual Abuse and Sexual Violence Awareness Week. Um, hashtag, it's not okay. And so we thought we'd get Jordan back on to give us an update of what's been happening since his episode went live. And then with Jordan, one of the guys who initially listened to the episode last uh, year, um, Brian. Brian is also on telling how listening to the episode and listening to Jordan's story 
influenced him and made him make some important life changes and decisions. Uh, so he's on as well, uh, talking about his 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 experiences. So uh, without further ado, please tuck in for our interview with Estina Mandela and then our heartfelt story with Jordan and Brian. And just as we said before, we've got Astina Mandela on the show. Yo, 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 Merry Christmas. Oh, I know. By the time this comes out, it'll probably be Christmas, to be fair, anyway. Um, yes, and every day is festive. How are you? I'm fab, babe. I just had a little workout, which was great. A little yeah. morning activity, get my blood flowing, get my body moving. And um, now I'm sitting here with you two. I'm going to have a nice, nice little chat. Got my cup of tea and my Harry Potter mug. Nice. Yeah, wonderful. I'm fabulous. How are you both? Yeah, I'm good. Good, good, really, good. Really good. It's Monday morning. It's refreshing. Um, yeah. Are you a big Harry Potter fan? Oh, big, big. Big, 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 big. I had it on last night. It was just like background music mm-hmm. to sleep to. And then um, I woke up and realized I finished the whole season again. Well, just <laughs> by sleeping it. I started nice. on one and then I woke up and it was seven. And I was like, oh, I've just missed the whole franchise. <laughs> what, what do you mean what you're listening to like yeah. the music or uh, so i was just listening to like uh, i had the film on but i turned the display down so it's just black oh. and then i could so it's like an audiobook in a way but on the tv oh, that's nice. mad i've never heard of that in yeah, my life so i just I've yeah never heard that in my life. i only discovered this like a few weeks ago and i was just like wait a minute why don't i just put my tv display black and then just have the audio playing that way like i'm watching it but i'm not because i know what's going on but mm-hmm. I can just like sleep to it. It's a really like nice way to like remember what's going on and enjoy your film, but rest and sleep and self care. Wow, and you got through all seven. And I got through all seven somehow via from <laughs> sleep. Oh, Miss, missed it all. Started at one and was like, just like that. I started rereading the books at Christmas, um, and I got through five books inside the first twenty days of January. Um, wow. And then I started dreaming about Hogwarts, and I thought it's time to just put a little pin in this right now because this is not what I want to be in my January 2021. It's <laughs> so. not the best way. I just resorted myself into a house again because I forgot to do it last year. What did you get? So, um, I'm slivering. Oh, wow. That is sheer day. No, it's not. I like slivering. I'm Pride. Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw all the way. I used to be a Ravenclaw. I'm not Ravenclaw anymore. What Does are you, it change? Man? It shouldn't change. <laughs> so um, I don't, I'm not a huge yeah. Harry Potter fan, to be fair, so I'm not likely to do that. But if I were to guess, I reckon I'd be a Hufflepuff. Oh, I love a Huffle. I I'm love a like, Hufflepuff. Yeah, big and soft and fluffy and... Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm a snake, apparently. Mm. I'm an I evil <laughs> snake, apparently. <laughs> Talking about Drag Same Race. Ah, you evil! No, I know. Um, tell us about your experience in Drag Race, just overall. So how was it for you? Because it was quite a while ago. It was last March and then they stopped. Um, how was the actual experience back then? I mean, back then, it's really weird to answer this question because like, uh, how I see it is like the, my opinion, my view now, and how I experienced it was like, it was a blur. It was just like, it happened. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And then, yeah, I was still doing it, even though we weren't filming. But then we were filming again. And it's just like, 
it's literally like a roller coaster like it, it really is and um I think the issue I had with the show at the time in March was just how they were like not treating us like human beings while you were recording yeah well like you know they do look after us and they make sure you're okay but like they really dwell in like they dwell into you like they try and break you down and they strip you down to then build you up in like a better way a better you a better version of you but I couldn't stand like if I need to if you need me ready for two in two hours then tell me you need me ready but they'd be like oh we need you ready in 10 minutes and I'm like but I've not even done my eyebrows yet was the routine not the same each time um well it changes you know um depends if Rue's, Rue's ready, it depends if the stage, mm. it depends on cameras, it depends on timing. Um, it's loads of little different different factors. But um, at the time I was just like, I'm not enjoying being here. I feel like I, ha- I was having to like um, sacrifice myself mm. to like be a part and conform to something that I don't necessarily agree, agree with. I'm so happy I still, I did it. I'm so mm. happy. I experienced it because it, it actually taught me a lot about myself, taught a, lot, uh, taught a lot about my values and what I hold and my opinions. I was able to like open my eyes to understanding the show, understanding TV, understanding drag, understanding myself. Um, yeah, it's, it's all this. The whole experience is just this. It's a big scribble. That's one of the difficulties of the drag race, I think, because it is a great platform, especially for just like gay in particular, but queer in general. Like it is a great platform, but it's still very, very niche, very, very specific. Um, And it has to fit in a very specific way about what drag is, about what a gay person is. And you have to be so set in that way. So it feels like even though you're on this huge platform, you don't have that much leeway with how you want to express yourself because they're being critiqued by um, people who have a certain ideal. Yeah, and that's the like, and that's the what the wonders of the show. Like, it is at the end of the day, what we're on season thirteen, episode blah blah blah. We're on All Stars twenty eight. We're on mm. <clears throat> Thailand, Canada, Arabia, um, Australia. Venezuela, Australia. <laughs> like, we've got so like the franchise is now like beyond. Mm. So what they're doing is correct, and you know it is an entertainment show after all. But mm. I think what people forget is it's our lives Mm. and it's an entertainment show first it's a competition second and then it's about us if that makes sense did you make any friends with anyone particular on the show that maybe you didn't know before well i i somehow well somehow i kind of knew everyone the only people i didn't know was cherry um veronica that's it i pretty much knew everyone else i knew obviously the london girls Mm-hmm. Um, I was friends with Ginny before. I had met Lawrence. Oh, Ellie as well. I didn't know. Didn't she's know quite young, though, isn't it? She's probably like brand new into this. But she's young, and I had no idea. I don't know what Dundee is. I never knew at the time. I was like yeah. Dundee. I just know Glasgow and Edinburgh. Yeah. All right, babe. Don't be making don't be making cities <laughs> and countries now, sweetheart. I know. I know why. Um, yeah, I think the good thing is when we like came together, all twelve of us, and like we were at the table. So we've just done our entrances, and we all at the table. It was like this is it this is the family this is the sister bond this is us and we um it's a very good bond we have considering what we've gone through within the Mm -hmm. pandemic and filming yeah i love them all i love them so much i'm so thankful oh that's good 
Um, I just read this tweet from uh, Candy Muse, right? So when you're talking about how they treat you and stuff, and Candy Muse had wrote, queens that have been on Drag Race, can we talk about pooping on Drag Race? Oh my God, it's so hard pooping on set because one, you always have a mic on, and two, if you're gone for more than two minutes, someone is always looking for you. What's your experience pooping? Um, you don't poop. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't wee. I probably go to the, t- I'll go for a wee. But I just don't poop. You just don't, just just don't poop in drag. We yes, luckily for the other girls, they wear hip pads so they can just soak it up. But just don't poop because it's just effort. And then you've got to clean up, and then you've got the mic on, and then the mic could be all twisted, and oh, it's just a lot. <laughs> it's- I was going to say this episode is not going the way I didn't think you'd be talking about poop. But here we go. I'm out. I love talking about poop. I, I love it. Do you know what? We need to normalize it. We need to normalize all these conversations. Like it's nothing wrong. We all poop. Yeah. Part of the body. When I get really nervous, I don't so I'm not a hugely nervous person, like um in general. So um if you're playing rugby or like performing, so I will talk about it in a moment because we actually met before and you said you don't remember a single thing, which I'm like really Yeah, little bitch. Um, but instead of actually getting bitch. nervous, um my body manifests itself into just like farting and pooing. <laughs> So before like a dance on stage or rugby, I have to go between like three and five times. And this is before like 12. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I just, and so like if I'm on stage, when we were like on stage in like heaven or something, I would definitely be mm. like farting as I'm doing it or just beforehand. And then the nerves just Oh, leave. all the time. <laughs> all the time. The amount of times I've been on stage and I've just like, I've been going dun, 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 up, dun, dun, mm, uh, and it just happens. Sometimes you do a move and you just like fart and you're like, oh. Well, and then yeah. obviously it like smells, and then you're like in the whole show performing while you're going. <laughs> and then all the other people you're sharing a stage with was like, "Who done oh, it? Who done it?" It's just not. It's not the one. Yeah, yeah. you're like, it's who did one, that? But, um, Have you ever seen a Real Housewives of Atlanta and Portia? And she's like, "What? Who did what? this?" Who said that? Who said that? Oh my god, I live. I uh, live. Yeah, so we actually met like way back when, when you were part of Hot Heels and you were dancing on stage. And then there were three of us. So we we were probably like the original. I'm going to say this. We were the original dancing queens. The problem is we couldn't really dance. The OGs. <laughs> probably no, OGs. you could. You could. You could, you could dance. But we thought we could. We thought we were the shit, right? Because everyone was like, oh my God, you're so good. And then I remember because there's me and Drew who... Um, you, uh, I think you sometimes still chat to and we're quite large so that's fine but then the other one he's got like he in his mind he was you basically he was this like super who was, the other? Um, who was the other one we call him Trisha, Trisha. I remember quite, you and Drew yeah yeah um, he was the skinnier one uh, with a body I don't remember exactly he was always body. like he was always like a beat out of time that one as well wasn't he he was always, <laughs> he was like, always just a step back <laughs> just I that little bit I out of time when I look back but they lived <laughs> and they just performed and they did the thing, and my favorite bit was the one where you all got naked. That was my favorite one, obviously. Well, I mean, I saw I you upstairs. Me, I remember, like, ah, uh, well, me, John, no, Lewis, and Manny used to be like, <laughs> <laughs> and this was back in what two thousand and whenever. Yeah, boy, it was a while ago, um, five or six years ago, to be fair. If not, in the Heaven Show, and you're looking at them boys. Did you make any friends? New friends at the Heaven Show? Oh my god, we made loads. Oh my god, I think it's because I can't remember all their names, but like, I just remember like 
I felt like a proud auntie when I was there. Like you I was so... just like, they're just doing it. And then we're on stage and I remember being on stage. It's like really, cause it's really hard. It's not easy Mm-mm. to show yourself like that. But I just remember being like, for them to do, for you guys to do that, what you were doing at um, Heaven, for you guys to actually do this on stage and then to have us who are like professionals or blah, blah, blah. And we do this as our job to like share the same stage and we just did it. It was, um, yeah, like a really proud auntie. Well, that was the thing I remember when you first came because like it is basically, it is like an adult talent show, right? Isn't it? Like it's like in school and you got a bunch of kids and they're like, oh, I just want to dance on stage. And I'm like, shit, this is... It's, it's the rehearsals it's the rehearsals that make me piss because <laughs> you're all like you're like little kids and i'm, I'm <laughs> just <sitting> there like <laughs> it's a professional show guys i don't care how bored you are you're gonna have to sit and wait for the lights but then you lot was so sweet because yeah we thought we were the shit so in terms of the rugby club us three were delicious we were like uh you know we good we good joe and then you lot came <laughs> in and danced in your heels and i was like oh my god yeah i hate these bitches we did um we- we did come and turn up. And but you're very system. sweet about us, though. But you know like... what? Yeah, of course. I, I think that's um, the one thing I always had um, with dancers, especially. My God, really truthful today, aren't we? Um, dancers have a thing where we're dancers and anyone else who tr- tries to dance, they're really, like, shady and, like, knock you down. Mm. And I've been come from, I've come from that world. I'm so when I see that. anyone who... Um, like don't be shocked babe. <laughs> no, no, very not shocked at all. <laughs> don't be shocked babe lord of mercy um so when i see anyone who like does any form of dance and just wants to like have fun i always support it because i mean we just share love in the world why would you be like horrible to anyone mm. just for them doing something that you do i don't get it yeah still and plus going, i was a bit jealous to be honest i was a bit jealous to be honest because you guys had such a good number and I was killing myself doing all the dancing. Yeah, I can't remember what I was we like, did at the time. I, be... I can't remember at all. I just remember it was fun. And then Drew was like, Drew, then Drew would come through, and then you'd come through, and I was just like, oh my god, they're living their best life. I live. The problem with Drew though, every time he makes choreography, he's like, oh, there's a beat. I must put a number, like a hit in it. And I'm like, we need a breath. Just remember, like, I'm big. My knees <laughs> don't work. All right, stop it. I remember. I think I think I told Drew one. I think I told Drew one. You don't have to actually do much choreography. Just sometimes stand and look fierce and look amazing. And then when it goes, show am, then you can start doing a bit of choreo again. But Drew just likes to think he's Beyonce, so. Mm, mm. He doesn't, he doesn't he get it. Just leave a breath. All right, let me just catch my breath one second. Um, absolutely. Breathe. Take your time. Take your would... time. You have to. You have to take your time. But then I want to ask you, so you say like, okay, you are professionals. I actually think, I would say that for you in particular, I would class you as like an athlete for sure, because you have mm. to work on your body. You have to make sure it's in tip top shape. You know, although some people are naturally have a certain body type, your abs don't just show up one day. Like you literally have to train and be ready to go. Is there anything for you that you, your body can't do? Cause I seen you do the splits, jumping off a top screen, down some poles and some shit like that. But is there anything you're working on now in terms of like your arms and your back and your neck and stuff that you think, you know what, this is what um, I'm going to do. Well, I'm not as limber as I was a few years ago. Um, I've definitely stiffened up due to due to partying, I'm not gonna lie. But yeah, it's more just maintaining and conditioning my body so it doesn't lose what it has or what it had. Now, there's so much going on and like how I was when I was younger, how I am now, I've gained a lot of things, i.e. mental health. 
and other thousand things that I can't just think oh my god yeah I can just stretch and split and I can kick my leg and I can hold my leg up here and blah 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 anymore because I don't have the energy to do it nor do I require to do it plus we're in a pandemic so I'm not moving every day like I'm in rehearsals um from like 10 till 6 Monday to Friday and then I do four shows in the evening so I was constantly active and where now I've, for the past year I've just been like just playing games and eating food so um, it's more just like now maintaining and keeping conditioned on my body and um, trying to eat well, which is very, very hard because all I want to do is just order. Um, but I think for everyone as well, like just trying to, I think after the last year we had with 2020, um, now this new year doesn't really feel like a new year. Personally, in my eyes, it doesn't, I, feel no, like we yeah. just kind of went, feels like... I just feel like we were in 2020 and it's just we're still at 2020 just because of this lockdown. Yeah, we're now in the and we're the only country in a lockdown. Oh, we're now in the 14th month of 2020. Yeah, it's bloody yeah. ridiculous. So, yeah, it's more like, yeah, just keeping the body at a good pace for my age, considering I'm not as I'm not 22 and I can spin around and jump off poles anymore, which I can, I just need to warm up. um how is your sort of mental health and well-being and how's it been for you over the pandemic oh this it's been it's been wonderful it's been great it's been the best thing ever um no i'm joking uh it's been okay like when i first started in last year i was still new to it so i was just figuring it all out i was understanding my own mental health what is mental health to me is actually mental health um, and which mental health is it? Am I depressed? Do I have anxiety? See, they're the only two I really know at the moment still, myself. Um, I've realised mine is depression. I get depressed very easily. Um, and it's all, it also comes down to my insecurities that I have with myself. So I was just dealing with finding this all out, thinking, so wait, has it always been this since way back when? Or is it just now I'm having this? So that was like a fight I was trying to understand. And then having that, then doing the show mm. is just like, no one should, you should always have control over your mental health. But then when I've got to like completely stop it, because I just, you know, I focus, I'm like, cool, show, focus, focus, focus. It's like, it, I, it unbalances you. So um, it caused me a lot of like a rift in my body and in my mind and in my soul and all of the things. Um, but it took a while. I think once we were out of the show and obviously um, we had COVID here and then it was a nice break. I was like, I can finally just work on myself because I know. Well, at the time I knew I'd gone as well. I'd left. So I was like, oh, great. Now I'm, I'm finished. It's all good. It's all good. It's done. So I just kind of took the time to um, chill, relax and blah, 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 blah. And then when they called me to be like, hi, so are you ready to do promo? Are you ready to do Meet the Queens? I was like, yeah. It might have been a little bit of a blessing in disguise where there's that break, I guess, because normally you have to do um, it maybe a little bit sooner and maybe some of that work would have been done where you can actually tie off some of the ends of that time and being judged and mm. trying to figure out who you are and actually say, okay, I yeah. can f- kind of cut that off and then move on to the next bit. Yeah, well, I said I kept saying to like everyone, as annoying as the pandemic is, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Really and truly, we all had holiday pay for a year, which I was like, cool, I don't have to work, but I want to work. But I have this time to reflect and we all do. For some people, some people got furloughed, some people still worked. Not my problem, mm-hmm. you're welcome. Um, but like, it is a blessing in disguise and it's, it's a horrible blessing 
mm. what happened and like what it's caused but it is a blessing in disguise and you just have to like just take each day by day and it's fine if you don't want to do anything it's fine if you are doing something if you need to cut off people cut off people it's just the time to evaluate what you want in your own life because you know your life is important because at the end of the day why are we all here but yeah like we didn't ask to be here I didn't choose my name except my drag name um, all of these things like I, we are just conditioned to all these things so you need to live happy you need to be happy and if that means eating pizza for three days eat pizza for three days fuck it eat pizza fuck yeah, yeah. I will I will since you've said it I will eat no pizza for three days do it like just eat pizza for three days if you then feel shit about yourself then that's your problem for eating pizza for three days yeah it's them ones where, like if you want to do it do it but if you know you're gonna feel bad about it for yourself, then don't do it. Mm. But you know, I think especially for mental health, we're all like, I need to carry on. It's like, no, you can take time off. Mm. Take time to self-care, take time to call your friends or your family, um, reach out, read a book. Um, if you need to like shut yourself off from the world, shut yourself off. Cause that's what I do a lot. I just shut myself off from the world for like a day or two. And then I'm like, it's, I'm able to like evaluate my own thing going on. And then I can go, this is what I'm going through. Give me advice, some help, some support. Because it's out there. But I think mm. people like, don't think it's there. Which makes yeah. sense because that's what your brain tells you. Because I think that your posts online have been quite open. And you've embraced those elements of who you are. It's not just about being this like icon or just about being this person who is not a real person you know you're generally like okay well Loki this is what's happening right now this is where my mental state was um for example just in your elimination I remember actually thinking watching the episode I was like how on earth have you got this composure I know I would be pissed and then you were like I'm proud of you babes I'm proud and I was like Mm-mm, I'm no. proud I'm like don't touch me don't touch me I can have <laughs> 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 hey, I took my bloody place, the bitch. In it, boy. I'm joking. No, I, um, yeah. Honestly, that every time I watch, every time I watch like my like breakdown, my <laughs> moment, I like start bawling oh, every time. Doesn't matter how many times I could, I could watch it, watch it again, and watch it again, and I'll cry them three times. Those feelings are still just, there, like, I guess, triggers. Yeah, and it's like I've processed them and I've accepted them and like I've made them a part of me so I understand why I had to go through that. But it just, because I'm actually like such a sensitive crybaby, I think people think, yeah, I'm mm, mm, mm," and like I am emotional and sensitive, but I mean like I see a paper paper in the wind and I'll start crying. Like I'll see the rain and I'm like, dry ride. And then it's gone and and then I have a whole like MTV moment and... I love it. But, I love um, pretending about a music video. Yeah. Oh my god. I love when you're like it's raining. You just like put a song on and you just live your like music video fantasy. It's my favorite. <laughs> but I also like. I think that um, what's kind of good about the show, especially this season anyway, is um, the issues we are tackling. Mm. Um, which is quite weird because when we were filming, I mean, for me anyway, it just was happening. Like mm. we just had these talks. It wasn't. Wasn't like forced and produced for the show it was let's have this chat do you mind just like but there'd be like oh like you know whenever like um taste is doing Naomi Campbell and I was like Ty 
Like they were like, um, oh, I'm gonna ask Tace to bring her over and then go wild. And I was like, okay, cool. So it's like they're manipulating what they want, but like mm. they're not forcing it. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. Sense. They're like, like the that, episodes, but they're not like that. You know, in previous seasons, they'd be like, oh, let's have this argument. But the good thing is there wasn't this argument that came out. It was very much like, okay, a really good conversation about black um british in particular because there were people coming out online being like oh this person that person this person but we're talking about this country right here you know um what has the response been for you or what has gone through your mind um in terms Uh, of reaction it's been probably it's something that i couldn't even think of i couldn't even fathom the fact that i would get or the response would be so massive i didn't even think like i didn't even think much past it because when we did it we just had the chat you know, me and Taste were just like, yeah, of course we're going to do Naomi Campbell. She's the best. She's the icon. Like, that's who we are going to do. And also, it's for Drag Race. Like, why would we not do her? And then also, when we were growing up, who did we have? No. Like, there was no one. And it's not to say there wasn't people, because what? There was. There was Mel B, lover, icon. She was going to be in my Snatch game. There was, who was the other one someone was saying? There, there's loads of people, but you can't. Just because there's loads of people, that doesn't mean just because I'm young and black, I'm going to look at every black person mm. and be like, oh, yeah. like, that's just not what it's about. And I think that's what people, well, the article anyway from, um, was that in Haley? I think it was Haley. The article that she put, I was like, but you weren't there. You aren't black. You didn't live my life or Tate's life or Tia's life or any other black person's life. Mm. You lived your own life. And not just black Chinese, you haven't lived everyone's lives. You weren't there in our childhood. Also, you don't know what I experienced. So for me, it was just like, I'm not shutting down what anyone's saying, but I'm letting you know from the reality I've lived, this was it. There was no one except Naomi Campbell because she was the one I was obsessed with. Yeah. And then it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew as I got older. Um. In terms of your school and, and like being younger and growing up, I watched this video of you did it for Barkin and Dagenham. Um, and you did a performance and you had a little conversation about it. Um, and it was quite interesting because you gave this like sort of confessional and it was about um, the, it, how difficult it was for you growing up and you didn't feel like you could open up until you left East London and, um, and, and Essex. But you, I still find, I don't know if you, you still rep that side, you're still there aware of it because you did this performance for them. You know, your first episode was East London Girl. Uh, with your ASOS jacket. Oh, come through, <laughs> even in an ASOS. And she won. Yeah, and she won. What was it like growing up in, in East London, Essex, for you? Um, I mean, I've, this, I've kind of like deleted it from my brain. I've just left it as like a physical feeling and memory. So I can't really remember, but I just, um, I didn't enjoy it. Mm. I wasn't fond of it it wasn't until I went to college um at Havering where I kind of like opened up a bit more I was enjoying dancing every day you know that's where I met like my real family my real friends um but yeah I didn't enjoy school I hated school I was bullied I mean most of us are bullied anyway but I was really bullied I never hung around with the black kids I never felt black if that mm. makes sense, just, like I never felt black. I went to a white, not I went to a multiracial school, but it was white. Everyone, all the it's gonna sound so bad to say, but like all the blacks were very stereotypical black boys back then. Like, like I hate boys. to say it, 
Like it was all that. It was all just, and I was just like, and there's a photo. Oh my god, I have to send you it. And you're pissed. I've got this whole do rag on, and then it's it was. Is a it what you're wearing now, bitch? <laughs> Basically, yeah, but like now it's like queer. It's like queer rude boy, like Fila. <laughs> it's bad. You could never. You could try. You could dream. <laughs> you could aspire, but you could never. Yeah, no. um, But like, yeah, it was just like I was fitting in. I was fitting into it. Fierce, like that's a fierce, that's fierce, isn't it? I live. Yeah. But like I was fitting into the whole like stereotype and the whole type of person I should be because I'm black. Mm. But I was the only one who danced. I was the only one who's creative. You know, I was with all the black girls, hence why I did the East London look. Like that's who I was around. And then I had my um Caucasian white lot who I love to pieces. Not anymore. <laughs> God, that was so rude of me. Um but like yeah, I was just like I felt um I felt like an owl in Harry Potter. Like I felt like I was just like flying to this part and then flying and then flying and flying. I'm just constantly between these two, the blacks and the whites. And it was just I think as a gay black child growing up who is so creative and so wanted to dance and is a fairy, but the biggest fairy over me, um, it's quite um yeah, it breaks you down. You kind of don't understand who you are, what's going on in the world, especially when I don't didn't have any um, education in being gay mm. or LGBTQ history. Like I definitely, I look back and I don't think I had any. I had to like find this out myself, which was when I went to London. Which was when I left. When I left East London and Essex, I started going out in Soho and I went to heaven. I got my life every day, and then I go to college the next morning. Like that was me learning about my actual culture. Yeah. And I actually learned about my history. And I think that happens for a lot of us out there. Mm. 100%. Me and Drew were talking about it before because it's difficult. We feel like we grow up in a predominantly white area and you don't see many, uh, you don't fit with the ter- stereotypical black people, especially in London or the places the city were, mm. because they're a bit, you know, if we're a little bit of femme or a little bit on the, um, you know, on the gay side, it doesn't really, you don't feel like you could fit in. Um, and I'm yeah, sure it's not just for black people. I think it's for everyone you know I think everyone has had some form of feeling ostracized I think that's Mm. the word look at me trying to be all smart um I think that's like that word like everyone's had some form of oh you can't be part of us unless you are fully going to be with us and it's Mm. just like but who are you to even say that because you don't even know who you are it's just what you've been conditioned to learn and this Mm. is with any race I don't think it comes down to even race or color I think it just comes down to human beings and just how we exist i think the world the society we live in is so mal run and so alfred but like you don't know anything because the universe is so great who are you to then say i need to live like this i was saying oh my god this 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 is the gag by gag myself so i was saying to whoever i was saying it to um if we all are birthed and then we're given a name and then if trans people our trans brothers and sisters realize they're in the wrong body and they're completely they're a different person and then they choose who they are are they not the right ones and we're just wrong because we're just living the conformed life mm. it's interesting it's an interesting thought imagine being so deep within yourself that you can actually realize who you are name yourself and and, and actually produce this image of who you think you are from inside out as opposed to these people telling you that this is what you're going to dress and this is how you're going to be um defined and built as and i think that that's exactly what it is to, to have the ability to do that 
despite the fact that everybody is saying this is who you need to be, is strength beyond it's belief. Strength. It's, mm. it's strength, like exactly, it's strength beyond belief. I think it's um, a power, a core, an entity that the trans people, the trans women and the trans men or the non-binary trans and blah, 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 like the power they have to know who they are, especially now <clears throat> in like the world we're living where people are coming out trans are like 11. I'm like, yeah. I didn't even know I had to pick up a crayon when I was 11. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even walk when I was 11. I was just like, mum, carry me in that pram still. Just <laughs> like, I was like, I don't care. I'm not, why am I using my legs for? You can carry me. You did that when you were 16. And like, so, <laughs> yeah, still, I still do it now. I've, I've, got, I've got a little car, a little like children's Those mosquitoes. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I saw it and was like, oh. We need to do two things before you go then, okay? The one is, I need you to tell me this story. So I heard that you had an issue with your drag mother, Raven Mandela and yourself coming back from Switzerland. Um, oh. And I need to understand what happened, girl. Oh, the story, the Mandela's take Europe. Oh my God. Um, oh, this is hilarious. This story I cannot even deal with. Um, so this was back in 2000 and, oh my God, 18, 18, I think, some, somewhere in the past. And um, we were, you know, leaving Glitterbox in Zurich. And so we're at the plane and then we're like, oh my God, we've got ages till our flight. So let's go get some food. What do we do? We go sit down and get some chicken. You know, I'm with Raven, by the way, don't forget. And so we were, we're sitting down and then Jono's, Jono's with us as well. And we're just like, okay, cool, eating, keeping track of the time. We're like, oh, we've got about half an hour till um, it's time to board. So we go, Joan, Joan, Joan goes to her gate and then we get to I our gate. And then, like, Siri. and then we're like, where's the plane? Where's the queue? And we're like, there's no, like it had gone. There was no announcement. There was no call for like, oh, boarding to Eve 7 to to Gatwick or wherever we were flying to. And it had just gone. So we were like, wait a minute, what the hell? Shit. Like, it's gone. So then we're like, okay, let's go to the check-in desk and find out all the information. They're saying it's gone. We're like, what do you mean it's gone? It's our flight. We're here. Oh, you've missed it. Yeah, it went about 20 minutes ago. What do you mean it went about 20 minutes ago? What, <laughs> where, where, when was the call? And Raven's obviously, like, going off in a nice way. She's just like, well, you need to help. Like, you need to get us a new flight. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like this. Because as well, I had to get back because I had to perform at Heaven. And so I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Ra I, we were like, where's our luggage? That's the thing. Because obviously oh, it was shit. on the plane. Yeah, yeah. So then we were sorting the luggage out. The woman said, oh, it will be, it will fly to Gatwick. No, Luton. It was at Luton Airport. So it was at Luton and it was there. And we were like, okay, cool. So then we're like sitting in the airport screaming, just like trying to sort <laughs> out how we're going to get back into London and England. We had 300 pounds between us. Between the three of you? Or just the two I of think, you? Just, uh, just two of us, just me and Raven. John got her flight to Barcelona like he did. But I mean, that's what you get for eating chicken. That's good. Yeah, and so we just had to like figure our way to get from Switzerland to London. So we went from airport to somewhere in Zurich, then got a bus from Zurich to France, and then we went to Calais, somewhere in France to Calais, and then we got the ferry to Dover. And then we had to get the train all the way to Luton Airport to collect our suitcases, to then go all the way back to Soho and perform at <laughs> heaven. That same night. Um, 
Did you make your show? Yeah, I did. I made the show in the end. We got there. And we got there before all the other queens as well. So we got there at like 9pm, <laughs> I think, at heaven. And then everyone else turned up at like 12, 12 o'clock at night. And I was just exhaling all the like the journey. <laughs> but you know what? To like it, it made me and Raven go grow so close even more. Yes, when you go through those things, isn't it? Um, um, again, a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I think we'll wrap it up there just because I know you'll need to run because you're a busy gal. She's a busy gal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Astina, thank you so much for coming to Honest Pod today. And we definitely, I'm 100%, thank you for your openness and honesty today. And yep. honestly, we know you're going to be amazing and keep repping for East London. The whole East London. I mean, it's for everyone, obviously, but you know, special place for my East London, not my Essex. Thank you for having me. I'm so sorry about all the technical difficulties today. It's just Monday and oh. the government's watching and listening to me. It just means you, have, it means you have to come back on sometime and we'll do it face to face. Definitely. Oh my God, I'd love to. I'd Routine. love to. I'd just love to come and chat and just talk about the issues mm. when Signal is not getting in our way and Zooms are not a thing. Our, our new theme. Our new theme for recording is get drunk while we record. I think that's our, <laughs> our new thing to do when, we, when we're able to get um, back into each other's company again. We just get a bottle of wine each and go, and go for go. it. <clears throat> Prosecco on the table. Yeah, yeah. down for that, sweetheart. Yeah. All right, then. Thank you so much, Estina. Right. Thank you so much. Have a great, wonderful day. Amazing. Thank you, my love. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. everyone and thank you for staying with us and joining us so as we said before um in honor of sexual abuse and sexual violence awareness week we've got um one of our bestest friends two of our bestest friends on the podcast actually uh jordan and brian so if you remember jordan would have been on our very first guest podcast back in episode 61 um and we just want to find out how he's doing so hello jordan how are you i'm good i'm good how you doing Good, I'm really good. Nice um, to have you so, back, Jordan. I know I'm a lot le- less nervous this time. Trust me. And I promise <laughs> I won't cry. <laughs> yeah, you, ne- you nearly sent me off on the last I one. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit! Don't look at Ashley. <laughs> then Matt was there for the camera. I'd be like, please cry, Ashley. Please cry, Ashley. <laughs> um, and anyone who's not listened to that episode yet, you have to go back and listen to episode 61 because it is a remarkable episode. And it's really, this is like almost like the sequel. Well, this is like the end. This is like the final third of it. So um, in the previous episode, Jordan told us a little bit about his story, a lot about his story, to be fair. Um, and we thought it'd be a good idea just to catch up and see how Jordan has been since then. Um, so Jordan, um, how have you been since the recording of the podcast? Really good, actually. Actually, it was a little bit like a therapy session. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it, kind of, good. It, good. it kind of was. It's um, As I mentioned last time, I was going through quite a bit of therapy and stuff, and I got quite far and kind of saying that I was like for the first time I ever kind of felt um content sorry content with myself than I never really felt before and I think I was going for a little dip before the podcast and it kind of really brought back to life actually how much of a better place that I'm in and yeah it, it had a positive result for me actually it was like a full-on therapy session uh in the episode you spoke a bit about um you know your struggles from uh when you were younger up until now and about you know feeling a bit, I guess, I, I want to say like ashamed. I don't know what the right word would be. You can use your own words about, you know, not opening up about it or facing sort of um, the things that happened to you before. How do you feel now that you've been um, able to open up about it in terms of yourself? Really good, actually. Because my main thing was always feeling quite uh, guilty for 
not trying or attempting to do anything um, about being abused uh, earlier, like years ago. And then because of that, I feel kind of responsible that um, other people have become victims as well. But actually, after doing the podcast, it's had if I, I felt like if I could just help one person, then it would be a really good thing to do. But the amount of messages I got afterwards uh, from people saying that, do you know what, the, the same kind of things happened to them. Thank you. And they're going to reach out and get support for the first time. It's really quite overwhelming. Um, and it's, it's really helped me, actually, um, just because I really feel like I've done good. Well, I mean, you were absolutely amazing on the episode, and obviously, oh, thanks, Ash. The story, the story you told was so gripping um, and so moving. And you know, I think, it, like you said, if, if the one thing you can get out of that is to help one, one more person, then that's that's awesome. And to go on and have more than one person reach out to you, and you know, and I'm sure there's many more that have haven't even reached out to you to say, you know, your your episode has um, moved me. So, um, yeah, well done. Yeah, thank you. Actually, there was um, someone messaged last month actually just saying thank you, like literally just out of the blue saying thank you. They've um, they went over on to see to speak with Hillary and they've come through, uh, got out of the bad place they was in, accepted what's happened to them and kind of started learning to live with it, mm. and just wanted to say thank you so much for going on and talking about it. So that's yeah, it's really had such a strong impact. I feel I do feel quite proud of it. Absolutely, you should feel really proud. I mean, I think there's a time and place for everything and things happen for a reason, you know, in terms of, you know, you were able to do it last year for, because you were in that place to do so. Do you know what I mean? It isn't related yeah. to how long things have happened or how much time has passed, but you have to be ready um, in yourself. What, what were some of the feelings beforehand um, and and some of the difficulties or challenges that you had just before the podcast and sometime before that? Because you would have thought about opening up, but wasn't necessarily able to. Do you know what my biggest my biggest concern about doing it actually was I see so many people on social media just kind of putting their dramas out just for everyone to see and just try and get sympathy and try and get attention for themselves and my biggest my biggest fear was literally just I didn't want people thinking that I was just trying to create myself attention or just trying to get sympathy because it wasn't what it was about and that was that was the biggest thing that I've kind of that's held back previously from kind of speaking about it or opening up about it um but it's yeah I don't feel like that at all anymore to be honest that's um, amazing yeah and people you might have noticed we've also got obviously got um somebody else who hasn't yet spoken hey Brian <laughs> do you want to give yourself a little intro yeah so I'm uh, I'm Brian I'm also a, a stealer and uh, play with the with the guys uh uh, on the podcast and a uh, big fan of the podcast for, for over a year well you know a bit now was quite taken back by Jordan's episode that kind of was a, like a wrecking ball through my life to be honest but in a good way because well I'm here to kind of share my story a bit if you want me to go into that just now uh, so yeah so I heard uh, Jordan's touching touching story uh, about his experience when he was younger uh, and it brought home a lot of things in my life that happened to me when I was younger. Uh, so probably 25 years ago, roughly, uh, I was assaulted, sexually assaulted by an older boy. Uh, I was, I reckon, 10 or 11 at the time. Uh, and he was 16 or 17, not 100% sure yet. Uh, and I've never dealt with it. I've literally been in complete denial up until that, that podcast episode. Uh, and only ever told my ex fiance when we were together. Uh, and then it was like, 
FYI, this is like my deepest, darkest secret, and we don't need to talk about it, we don't need to do anything, but FYI, that that is literally was the end of the conversation. Uh, and I've always I've always justified myself and, and my stance on it being that I didn't want to be a victim. And I always thought it could have been a lot worse than it was. Because lucky, lucky for me, uh, although I didn't quite understand what had happened, I, I realised that something wasn't right. My gut feeling was that it was wrong. Uh, and this person had plans on, on what happened more than once. But I was savvy enough to realise that something wasn't right. And I put a stop to it. Uh, and I've never seen that person ever again. So when I've kind of justified it to myself of, well, it happened once, it could have been a lot worse than it was. Uh, it's never affected my life. It is what it is. I've accepted it, moved on. I packed it away in a box, moved on. And it wasn't until when Jordan shared the impact that it had on his life with a bit of hindsight. And it wasn't until I put the pieces together about issues that I face in my life, mental health issues, the really bad confidence issues up until quite recently, actually, I mean, three years ago, really. Uh, it's funny you were just saying uh, about like right place and right time. And it, it seemed to be bang on the money for, for me to, to kind of face up to it. And realised actually this has had an impact on my life and continues to do so. And then I literally phoned uh, Police Scotland and reported the crime uh, and gave a statement of, well, a short statement over the phone and they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, and literally within a week, I got a phone call from a detective sergeant in Police Scotland, uh, who I actually know from school, we went to school together. Uh, and he went, look, just to give you a heads up, like we we'll want to push your, push your statement through as quickly as we can with Surrey Police, because we're 99.9% .9 sure that we know who this is which completely, like, literally knocked me sideways because mm. I wasn't, I'd pretty much, again, packed it off in the box and thought, well, some point in the future, uh, <laughs> somebody may get in contact to, to, to go to court or something like that. I, I didn't know what to expect. So that, uh, that threw me off because as much as I packed it up and, and was in denial for so long, I did go through periods, uh, maybe twice a year, where I would almost... Google this guy and try to find out who is who is he? Do I know him? And I, I've never been able to find him. Uh, like never been able to find him. It was almost go through little obsessive periods of I want to know who this is. But uh, but so now I know who it is. Uh, he, he was arrested quite recently. We may be at a stage very shortly where we've reached the point that we can issue charges. Sorry, that's Matt. quite interesting, actually, Jordan. I, I feel like that's kind of similar to Jordan, where you feel like. Maybe, you know, it just happened to you and it, or, you know, it seems to be like in these cases, it's not just you, that it's actually potentially happening to many other people that obviously you're not aware about. Um, and that's why it's quite a positive thing to actually, even if you feel like it might be just you and yourself bringing it forward, that there is a high chance that people that do this have done this before and will do it again. I was going to say, I was going to just ask Jordan, Jordan, how do you, how do you feel after hearing that? Like, how does that make you feel? I feel sad, actually. I feel really sad. And it's, um, and as, as overwhelming as it was with the messages and stuff that people were message, messaging me afterwards, it's just, it's actually, it's, it's actually shocked me of actually how much it does go on and how many people have been through a similar situation. And that's just, that's what's the sad thing about it. But where it's never really spoken about, 
no one actually talks about it because no one knows because it's seen as such a taboo subject and I suppose that people that have been through it themselves feel a little bit ashamed and that they can't be able to discuss it with people because it's kind of the shock factor and worrying what people are going to think of them and so on um so yeah I don't know it just gives me a little bit of mixed emotions like um I feel really 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 happy that I've managed to do something that's helped someone out so but then at the same time I just feel really sad because it's um it is a horrible experience and the whole process of what you're doing now isn't exactly the most exciting thing in the world to do um Brian in terms of you having to go through the process I guess now is there a certain amount of or any preparation in your mind that you need to go through or a way of managing your emotions and your feelings uh, over this period I think one thing that that you guys and, and Jordan have allowed me to do is, is, is to live my truth and, and be open. I'm, I'm pretty open about it. I don't sing it from the rooftops, although I'm pretty much doing that at the moment. But, I, but I'm open and I discuss it with friends, with my close friends and the rugby team discussed it when it was happening. I, I, I think for anyone else that's considering it, I think as you don't need to do it on your own. You can reach out to people. You can talk to family. So I had no... Uh, intention whatsoever of telling my family. I literally would have just went to Scotland to court, remained anonymous in another room if I had to, uh, or behind the screen, but I want from, from the public gallery. Uh, I was perfectly prepared, prepared to do that. But the more, actually, I, I told like three or four really close friends and the amount of support I got from them was, was phenomenal. Uh, that slowly but surely I, I told my mum and, and that was probably the hardest thing I had to do because I didn't think I had the balls to do it, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't text that, I can't even do that over the phone, it needs to be face-to-face. And 2020 didn't really provide that many opportunities to go home to Scotland, but I managed to squeeze in a couple of weeks in September, went home, and literally was having a drink with mom one, one night, and I just had to tell her, I thought this is going to be the only chance we're going to be together, just the two of us, without my dad, without my friend there. I just need to get this out. And she took it a lot better than I like than than I thought. And I think I think Jordan hit on a really good point. Like the amount of the amount of women and females in my life who are pretty much I'll probably say eighty percent of the females I know, whether my sisters, my aunties, and my mum, have shared experiences where something inappropriate has happened, whether they've been flashed in the street. And I think we do accept that 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 kind of happens to women, like because but. I think the problem we've got is that men don't actually talk about it. Uh, we don't talk about it and we don't deal with it. Uh, and that, that's what I've kind of learned from, from this experience. My advice to people is to, to, to reach out to the people closest to them. They will support. The support I've had from my family has been amazing. I, of, I, mean, I think one of the big things that's sort of happened in the last five, 10 years is like obviously the Me Too movement was a <laughs> massive eye-opener for a lot, a lot of people about the type of stuff that goes on. Um, and I think it's like through the courage that people like yourself and Jordan have to share your stories. Um, and it sort of, it makes it normal to talk about, which is what it should be. Like people shouldn't be sitting thinking, I shouldn't, I'm, I'm so full of shame. I shouldn't talk about this or have the concerns that you both have shared in, 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 in the stories that you've, you've told us on here that um, it, it makes it like get, having you guys on here to chat about your stories just and people hearing it that, you know, obviously has a ripple effect. Like look, Jordan a year ago, told his story here we are a year later talking to somebody who's had a remarkable year and you know I think you Brian in my opinion seem to say that from that point of view you've ended 2020 
better than it started with regards to like how your life has changed with this dealing with this i was just gonna say actually you're completely right you know it's the the me too, me too movement has made such a big impact i think on so many people yeah. and it's it's uh that's what helps me understand myself and where brian was saying earlier that he didn't actually think it impacted him in life i didn't really think that had too much of an impact on me but actually it's had such a big impact i just didn't realize and it's not when you see the me too movement and um listen to people's stories like uh like the find the neverland um documentary thing is you can really relate to it you're like oh shit yeah like um and everything just pieces together and all kind of makes sense it's um yeah, that I love the meaty movement. It's it's been it's been life changing for me. So I'm sure it has been for a lot of other people as well. Uh, I just want to say actually thanks to Mash, Ashley, and Matthew just for um, having else is Mash. <laughs> Mash, yeah, I did on the oh. first episode. Oh, yeah, just saying, I'm just saying thank you actually for giving us the platform to talk about it because it has had such a big positive impact on my life being able to do that, um, and it's, and has really helped me. It's like I don't actually I don't feel guilty so much anymore. Stop laughing at me, Ashley. I'm dick. laughing at Matt. I'm laughing at Matt. <laughs> I'm getting emotional, bitch. And it's... I have to get the camera to record this. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know he was crying. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, it's had, such a, it's had such a positive impact on my life. And actually, where I was, I was kind of carrying around a lot of guilt, actually, I don't really, I don't actually feel like I feel guilt anymore because I feel like I've kind of redeemed myself in a way. You are very, very welcome. It's okay. an absolute pleasure. You're and you make us... It's so interesting, yeah. I always, I always make Matthew cry. <laughs> I do cry a lot. I, do you know, I've been really emotional like, the past couple of weeks with everything. Um, I've stopped going to therapy, and so I, I'm looking to deal with like my emotions and feelings separately. You know, uh, with the tools that I have, and so like I started meditating. Every time I do, I'm like, split up, <laughs> just down my eyes, <laughs> just a single tear, and I'm like, oh god, it's a good thing, but it's just like, uh, I have to go. You cried. You cried once because I was crying. <laughs> Oh my god! I cry when people cry all the time. That's my thing. But John's an ugly crier. John's like, ah. <laughs> there's well, a lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion well, there to get out. Oh, it was an emotional time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. This is a serious issue. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, Brian, yourself. Just before we wrap up, what about you? I think. Echo, I, I've got a massive thank you for Jordan. Uh, like you. You obviously you, you know the impact you've had because we're having this conversation and, and we've had the conversation and other people have reached out. But truly, you, you first of all, Matt and Ash having an idea to, to bring you on and, and for you to, to share your story uh, and 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 the, and the detail that you did as well. Not there was no holes barred. There was literally it was literally as it was. Uh, and you know what? I think that was the important bit. It was that made it real. It wasn't just a story or, or, or dancing about the edges. You told us in, in, in detail, and that's what hit home to me uh, and made me and inspired me to kind of reach out. And, and then our conversation that then led me to call the police that night. So I'm like, I owe you so much from that uh, because, yeah, I'm still going through it and it's going to be difficult. But at the same time, I'm determined that I will face him in court and he'll have his day. And that's because of you. So, like, massive thank you, and to to Mash uh, for uh, for <laughs> to Matt and, Matt and Ash for uh, kind of putting their head up uh, out the trenches, and and we could we could easily just 
continue to have fantastic podcasts that that are funny and, and good entertainment. But do you know what? The balance is the good, funny entertainment and the serious chat as well. So uh, massive thank yous to, to all you three guys. Oh, oh thank you. Um, Maybe sad. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Maybe a little bit emotional then. Happy, happy tears. No. Thank you guys for coming on, like I said before, and sharing your stories because it's all about you really, man. I just look pretty on the side. <laughs> but, um, that's that's about it. So, um, all right. Um, Damn, that was a good, good episode. Wasn't it just, Ashley? That was the best. Listening to those two bits back to back. Oof. Yeah. Deep. A lot of things. I just like crying um, I'm, when Brian was speaking. I was like, oh my God, we're so influential. That's so <laughs> It is. It's so rewarding. I mean, it's, it's reasons like that why I personally wanted to do the podcast from the very mm. beginning is to make an impact and change people. And I didn't envision back then it would be on such a grand scale as what, you know, that has happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm amazing to have, first of all, Jordan back again, such, such, a, such a gem to come on and, 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 and do it again uh, and then for Brian to come on as well and to tell his story is phenomenal um, and then what's also good and I have to say Matt, Matt pushed really hard for this whenever we were planning but to push and get some you know big names on here and you know as Tina's just like, I mean we couldn't have planned it any better that the week she went out from Drag Race and it was nice to just not talk about Drag Race and um, just like again like we pride our podcast for being like just sit back and have a good old chit chat like mm-hmm. talk about shit and that was it was perfect. It was perfect. You couldn't have wanted a better episode than what that was. <laughs>